to Dress and Keep, we strive to encourage Christian men and women to build up their homes to the glory of God. You can follow us on Instagram at dress.and.keep for our latest updates. You can support us by sharing the episode and leaving a review. Thank you for listening. and keep i'm your host gannon kessler joined by my wife sarah say hi to everybody hello everybody and uh we are once again back at the uh table the dining room table to record another episode uh what are we going to talk about today we are going to talk about christian success and i just have to put it out there no matter how successful i become i'm still going to shop at goodwill Yes, shopping at Goodwill (laughs) is your thing. Thrifting is your thing. But it's grown on you. I've noticed that now when we go thrift shopping, you're like into it and you go to the book section. The more kids I have, the more into I am with thrift shopping. It just progressively got, you know, I got more into it as I had more kids. It's almost like it was kind of a necessity or something. (laughs) Well, you have found good things though because... You were on a job site that was right next to a Seattle Goodwill. Ugh, wasn't it? Seattle Goodwill. Dude, I don't Seattle Goodwill go actually there. actually have a lot of good stuff at them. So. Oh yeah, because rich people live there. Yeah. You gotta Who go to the rich there? people Goodwills. Yeah. Like, go to the Maple Valley Goodwill if you live in Washington State. Maple Valley or mm-hmm. the Redmond Goodwill. Oh, yeah. I bet that's nice. Yep, I never went to that one, but it was like right down the road from one of my jobs. Yeah, you got to hit up the rich people Goodwills and yep. the rich people garage sales. Like I've been mm. to the Lake Taps garage sale and you have to pay to get into the neighborhood to go to their garage sale. That's mm. how rich they are. Yeah. Well, if you live in Lake Taps, then I guess you're rich. Can you give me like <laughs> a, if you live in Lake Taps, can I, can you get me in your garage sale for free? Can you give me into Just your wondering. neighborhood garage sale? We like want to buy some of your stuff. Yeah. Hey, our neighborhood does have a good yard sale, community garage sale. Pretty good stuff. But Yeah, um, that was a weird tangent. Well, that's what we always do. Or I ask you a question, but you don't like the, the pop questions. So I just... I didn't, of, I didn't say I didn't like them. I just... Oh, okay. Sometimes they're, they're phrased really weird. <laughs> Yeah, I know. The last one was kind of a weird I'm like, one. That's a okay. That's a weird question. Um, so today we're going to be, yeah, as you said, we're going to be talking about success. Um, so I I'll start it off by just a simple a simple question. So how how does the world measure success? Oh, so you're going to ask me the questions now. The world measures success with like the obvious things may maim money fame looks the big house kind of like that american dream all the external mm-hmm. things keeping up with the joneses yep that type of thing so are those things in and of themselves wrong or are they are they sinful things well money is not wrong fame isn't necessarily wrong beauty, a larger home, none of those things are wrong, but 
it is all about how you steward those items. So you can use your financial, your finances for good and you can use it for bad. Same with, I mean, I guess your house or your fame. Mm-hmm. It's really your your motivation. Right. So you're, so you're saying unless it's explicitly sinful, then it can be captured or reclaimed for good. Correct. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, And for some reason, that verse has been twisted over the years, and people think it says money is the root of all evil. Um, That's not what it says. Look it up. Google it. Um, And so, yeah, some things, unless explicitly sinful, can be used for good. The things that are an obvious blessing from God can be used for evil or for good. Unless, you know, it's a black and white sin, obviously. There's not really like uh, re, you know, capturing or reclaiming something that is a straight up sin. Right. Like even like Abraham was extremely wealthy. Like Abraham was not a poor man or Job. Yeah, Job, Job. Extremely wealthy. Right. Um, had a lot of material belongings and servants and, you know, um, so it's not that money in and of itself is an evil thing. Money is not an evil thing, but what you do with the money that can be evil. Right. Um, so that is to say that success in and of itself is not sinful or evil, but who, who you glorify with your success, right? Who, who do you credit with your success? You can use your success, success, excuse me, to glorify yourself or God. And no, I'm not talking about that, you know, line that the actors give where they just walk up there, they hold up their Oscar, and they say some stuff, you know, about God in it. That's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about along the way, you're not aiming for fame, you're not aiming for fortunes, you're not aiming for material things. You are doing good and and finding success by doing good because you're doing it to glorify God. You're doing it for and because of the name of Christ. So, um, yeah. So I wanted to kind of bring up maybe two ditches that Christians can fall into. Um, the first ditch would be like, the full br- full blown prosperity gospel. Um, and you know, I have different, uh, we have different listeners that are in just different walks of life. So you may be very familiar with what the prosperity gospel is, or you may have never heard this term. Um, and in a nutshell, what this is, is anything that says God wants you to be healthy and wealthy or, Um, Sometimes prosperity preachers will say, if you give more to the church, God will repay you tenfold. Oftentimes, uh, these prosperity preachers will lean very heavily into the power of words and that all you need to do to unlock these various blessings is to say what you want out loud and have enough faith. This is also known as the name it, claim it, uh, word of faith movement. Uh, It's almost as if they speak it into existence. Yes. Like speaking it into existence. So that would be a definite red flag if you're listening to Mm -hmm. a preacher that 
um, it are, you know, that is, I guess, pushing these types of thinking. Um, but it's almost as if they believe they have power over God and God doesn't work in his own will. And the really frustrating part about prosperity preachers and teachers is that they typically exploit people who truly need the help. So people who are financially needy or have health issues, uh, they give to televangelists or these mega church pastors thinking they are going to get something in return. And oftentimes they don't, that's just not how God operates. And so they're so busy and distracted by these big churches. They usually get lost in the, in the crowd. And what they don't realize is that there are many small faithful churches that can actually help them with some of these needs. And I'm not saying, you know, you can just show up to a small church and ask for money and they're, you know, they may not necessarily just give you money, but sometimes help comes in the form of, you know, like a group of young men putting a new roof on a widow's home or meals for the next month for a family who's grieving the loss of a loved one. It could be mm-hmm. the trading of skills. We had a, a good friend of ours. He cut down 16 of our trees, big trees. Like you need mm-hmm. a, an actual logger to do this. <laughs> And in exchange, an actual logger, an actual logger, like you don't want to die cutting down these giant trees. Um, you, you, <laughs> we needed a lumberjack, a lumber, a real life lumberjack. But what was cool is he asked, he said, Hey, if I cut down these trees for you, can you reside my mother-in-law's house? Mm-hmm. And we were like, yes, deal. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, how'd that go for you? How long did it take you to reset that house? Did it go? Did it go well? Uh, I had just given birth and had mastitis and was <laughs> dying on the couch while you were reciting that house. <laughs> and I had to call you and go, "I am so sorry. I think I'm gonna die. I have a fever of 105. Please come home." That was like okay, yeah. That was one. That it, reciting a house takes a long time. Yeah, reciting. And that well, was it, one or two or a couple days of it, right? It wasn't the whole time. No. Well, what it took you like what two weeks to do that? Uh, maybe week? three weeks. Yeah. But it was just my it was just me and my my brother for the most yeah, part. Yeah, your non carpenter brother. Well, he's a carpenter now, but he wasn't much of a carpenter then. He would even say he wasn't. So well, anyways, he was still learning. Anyway, anyways, go ahead. no. What I'm saying is is. That's kind of the prosperity gospel. I kind of went off on a tangent, but it's like the name it, claim it, unlock God's blessings with the power of your words. The more you give, the more you're going to receive. God wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Red flag. Mm -hmm. Okay. Run away. So I'm not saying you need to attend a tiny church or that a little church is always the biblical place to be. Use discernment, but... Um, we don't go to the creator to be a vending machine in the sky. We go to God for the forgiveness of our sins. Mm -hmm. So those blessings, they do come, um, but it's never promised. I mean, it's, we're not promised perfect health. We're not promised 
wealth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess it depends on how you define health and wealth. Right. Uh, and uh, I'll talk about the other possible ditch, right? Uh, this is the other side of it, right? This is poverty gospel. Um, in many cases, it's just simply an overreaction to prosperity gospel, I think, where people are so afraid of being the rich man, they simply desire to be poor for the sake of being poor. They're so afraid of being the rich man, um, you know, like Christ says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And when in fact the passage is saying the opposite, really, that a rich man cannot enter into heaven by the simple fact that he is rich. So Christ uses an impossibility. He says a camel going through the eye of a needle. You know, you cannot get into heaven on your own merit. You can't get into heaven simply because you're rich. You can't buy your way in. Um, okay. You just like debunked that for me because I thought that it? it was. Okay. Keep going. I'm learning stuff. That's in the show notes. Did you not read the show notes? No. <laughs> I did not, but that, that is so interesting. A camel going through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. So it's not the fact, it's not the fact that he's rich. It's mm-hmm. you can't buy your way into heaven. No, you can't. You That's can't buy the your purpose way of that. No, you, you can't buy your way in. It's impossible to buy your way in just like a oh, camel going through the I eye know, of a needle. But like I, I have always interpreted that verse as like, it's because he's rich. Like he's not going to go to heaven. No. I mean, rich men are more susceptible to spend their wealth in, you know, the wrong Sin- ways. Yeah. But just like we said at the beginning, right, it's it's not, money is not what is evil, it's what you do with it. Yeah. Right? And so there's a greater temptation if you have more money. But what's being explained there, because a lot, there's, you know, the Pharisees uh, were really well off. You know, they had a lot of money. Um, and what was being explained there is that no matter how much money you have, no how, no matter how much outward outward material things you can show that you have, can't buy your way in. Just like you can't, you know, camel doesn't go through the eye of a needle. He's bringing up an impossibility, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. You can the only way, right? It's impossible on your own. So the only way you can get into heaven is not on your own merit, but on the merit of Christ, right? And then, um, so that's, that would be the other ditch, right? It's just swinging the pendulum all the way the other yeah. way to po- poverty gospel. Poverty gospel. And then uh, ditch number three uh, is mediocre or minimalistic Christianity. Um, this pitfall, I think, is probably the most common, and I think it's really the hardest to point out. Um, a lot of evangelical um, America, right? A lot of evangelical Americans fall into this category where they... They've compartmentalized their success from their faith. Um, in one compartment, in, in one compartment, it's you know they're they're willing to use what's in that compartment to glorify God, and then the other compartment, it's things you know they either will use to glorify themselves or they think that they're basically neutral, right? So th- they have one compartment. They're saying, okay, in this compartment, I'm going to put the things that I'm willing to use to glorify God. And then in the other compartment are the things that I have deemed either neutral or I'm going to use those things to glorify themselves, right? Um, You know, they have success at work, and for them, a success at home um, and for church is in another compartment. Work is in one, 
a home and church is in another, right? And so they've compartmentalized their faith. They've separated them out. They've divided them. Um, and I think that's an easy ditch to fall into, especially when we're talking about success. Because success isn't, isn't normally a term that Christians, you know, float around a lot. It's, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's, almost, it's almost a dirty word, I think, in a lot of circles. I think in our circles. Maybe in our circles it is. But maybe a more, like, I think in more charismatic circles, you're going to see like a heavy emphasis on success, outward sure. success, and in the mega church televangelist Joel mm-hmm. Osteen kind of realm. Yeah. You're yeah, you're going to see a lot more of that and a push for yeah. that. And it's almost what's really frustrating is um in the prosperity gospel, those who aren't healthy and wealthy are looked down upon as if, well, you don't have enough faith. Right. You must not be an actual Christian or even as far as to, you must have unrepentant sin. And that's why you are having this health issue. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating because yeah. that is just a lie. Yeah. Yeah. So you have these, you have these ditches, right? You have prosperity gospel, like you just mentioned, right? Where you want to be, you know, healthy and wealthy. God wants that for you. Um, he wants you to have riches. He wants you to have a big house, nice car, all those things. Mm-hmm. Falling into the, you know, name it and claim it. You want to speak those things into existence, right? That if you just say it, it'll it'll come to pass. Yeah. Right? And then you have the poverty gospel, which is an overreaction to it. And it's saying, you know, I, I need to get rid of this money. I can't have it. Um, God wants me to be meek and mild and poor and, and you know... Uh, it's an, it's an overswing. It's um, almost, it makes me think of the David Platt book. What's it called? Radical. Radical. Where he's yeah. basically like, sell everything you have yep. and go live a radical life in another <laughs> country. And then David Platt. Yeah. He's charges, filthy rich. He's filthy rich <laughs> and charges like 20K for a speaking engagement. And people have called him out on it. But. It may not be 20K. It might be a different number. Um, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like this. You must sell everything you have and live this super radical life, which I know people do. Mm-hmm. That also isn't sinful in itself to no. go be a missionary. Mm-mm. But it's not. That's a, that's a special calling to go and do that, right? Not yes. Every, that doesn't mean that everybody should sell everything that they own and go move to third world country to be a missionary. God bless you if you do that. If that's your calling, we say amen. You know, Godspeed. We're going to pray for you. We're going to, you know, absolutely. But not everybody's called to that, right? And most certainly, we're saying that you're not supposed to desire to be poor for being poor's sake, right? Um, And then the other ditch is the mediocre and minimalistic Christianity where, you know, um, you've compartmentalized your faith so much to where you separate success out and you're not bringing it all you're not like we said in the beginning you're not recapturing it all for good right you're separating compartmentalizing it yeah it's not it's all of life to the glory of god the famous puritan quote not some of life some of life some of life to the glory of god kind of god's glory ish right yeah (laughs) okay so now that we've kind of went into different ditches Mm -hmm. 
let's open up scripture. What is biblical success? How do we define it? Um, <clears throat> so biblical success is not success in the things that will will burn, right? So success is really measured in fruit. Matthew 7, it tells us that we'll be known or will be recognized by our fruit. I think it's better to say we ought to be recognized by our fruit. Christian success is is passive and active obedience. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to make us more like Christ each and every day. So Christian success, really, at the very base level, there isn't, there isn't <laughs> you can't be any more successful as a Christian than Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me say that at the beginning. You can't be any more successful as a Christian than Christ-likeness through your passive and active obedience, right? Bringing you through sanctification, right? So your active obedience, you're saying, I'm going to obey his word in this and this and this. Passive obedience is the Holy Spirit working inside of you to make you more and more like him. And you may or may not may even notice it. So it's not like it's those two working, those two working together. And so I like to say that Christians, because of this, ought to desire to be their best at their work and at the things that they do. Not so they can boast in themselves, but because the name of Christ is at stake. So we're saying that you should be, you know, you should be a good worker. You should be good at the things you do. You should desire quality, not because you want want to boast, just because you've done it or you've built it or you've made it, right? You are doing it because you want to point back to who you represent. You're a representative of Christ, and his name is at stake. Um, and so, so, you know, I can take whatever I do, day-to-day success, and I can have it point back to Christ. Another way to say it is that my work down here on earth, I want to be good and I want it to be quality because I want I want it to be a horizontal work that people can see, right? So known by their fruit, pointing to a vertical truth of the gospel. So I am out there and I'm going to the plow and I have this this fruit that that is that people can see it, right? And I want to point to a vertical truth of the gospel, a vertical truth of who Christ is, right? So Christians are really the only properly motivated people in the world. Christians are the only properly motivated people in the world. Hot take. Not really. It's not. (laughs) It's really not. Maybe it is, but at least it isn't for me. But So they're the only properly motivated people in the world, not for selfish ambition, but because of Christ and his saving grace. Christians ought to be the best at what they do because the love of Christ is what motivates, right? Is what motivates them to return to the plow day after day after day. And so to sum it up, right? So if we're going to take all of this and just package it up, right? It's I'm motivated by my love for Christ to do good quality work because I want the work that I do to unmistakably say Christ is King, Christ is Lord, and it is a joy to walk in the works that he has prepared for me. Okay? So that's that's Christian success right there. So I hate to use this example, but I like to tell stories. So we're just going to say it. Um, but in junior high, I was in digitools and that for the young people is a typing class because you had to learn how to type on a computer. 
Back in the, my day. Yeah. Not everybody grew up with a computer in their house from day one. But yeah, I remember when I got a computer. But anyways, so we had this teacher and he would literally make people cry, but he would go on these rants and he would be like, if you don't do this, you're going to grow up and flip burgers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because I don't know why, but that generation thinks being a burger flipper is the worst, lowest of the low job, right? Um, Lower than dirt. Lower than dirt. Don't ever flip a burger, right? I respect anybody who has a job in this economy. But anyways, um, that goes to say, I don't think it matters what you're doing as long as you love the Lord and you're working for the Lord. So even if you are working fast food, be a good employee. Go above and beyond. Even if you don't like the manager, I've had multiple minimum wage jobs where the manager was a crank, get over it, do your job well. Be the person of integrity. Do quality, honest work. Show up on time. Um, don't be lazy. I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, where, wherever you're at, wherever God places you, just honor him. It doesn't matter your circumstance. You need to honor the Lord in whatever situation, whatever job environment you may be in. Same with those of us who are stay-at-home moms or if you are a stay-at-home wife. Whatever you do, don't settle for being mediocre. Uh, It's interesting because, and I've read a book about it, um, but in our culture right now, there's this mediocre motherhood culture where it's like my kids eat chicken nuggets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I haven't showered for five days. My house is a wreck. It's totally fine to have bad weeks, but don't settle for being a mediocre stay-at-home mom that doesn't do anything, that doesn't try. Do your best. God's going to put you at various places and situations in your life. Do it all well. And this also kind of is linked to my homeschool philosophy. My main goal in educating my children is not to raise a doctor or a lawyer or someone who's super scholarly. I want to raise children who love the Lord. So even if my son grows up and is a burger flipper, He's going to do it to the glory of God. That's my hope. You probably have other hopes for our son, but Uh, I just want him (laughs) to love the Lord. That's it. Yeah. If, uh, if he wants to flip burgers, then I guess I'll buy him a spatula. I don't know. You would support him. If that's what he wants to do, you know. But do you get what I mean though? It's like, no matter where you're at, do it good (laughs) as a Christian well, yeah, of course. Um, you know, it's not it's not about the work that you do, right? Because you're not doing certain work for your own fame, for your own glory. You're doing work for the glory of God. And so whether that's flipping burgers or whether that's, you know, um, doing real, whether you're in real estate or whether you're, um, you know, like I am in construction, it doesn't matter um, as long as you know who you're doing it for. Um, 
And I think really it has a lot to do with just being content where God's providence has placed you. I think um, one example of this, I mean, there's a lot, but one example would be Nehemiah. Um, in the beginning passages of Nehemiah, the tribes of Israel have been, you know, scattered. They've been, you know, um, taken captive. And there's only a few that remain in Jerusalem. And um, you find Nehemiah serving the king of Persia, not simply as a servant, but as the king's cupbearer. And the reason I point this out is that you have a Jewish man serving a foreign king while Jerusalem is in ruin. Um, You know, how is it that he has one of the most important and even more trustworthy positions in the king's court? You have to think about that. You have to think about the context there, right? So he's got, he's a Jewish man. He's in, he's, he's in Persia serving the Persian king. His Jerusalem is in ruin. He's been taken, he, he's been taken captive. He's serving the king, right? But not only that, he gains the trust, right, of that king to be, to be given this, you know, cupbearer position in the king's court, um, because he's really earned the king's trust. And we know later on in this story, Nehemiah is given, you know, word that the walls of Jerusalem have fallen and it's burning and um, whoever's left in Jerusalem is is in peril. And of course, he finds himself in a position to ask the king for, for leave to go and help rebuild the walls, right? So think of that question, right? He wants to, <laughs> he, he, after prayer and, 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 you know, just it weighing heavy on him, right? He, he goes and he asks the king of Persia, right, this Jewish man, to leave and go rebuild the walls that have been destroyed in a foreign nation, right? What an odd, what an odd question, right? Um, now, the reason I bring this up is simply what, what Nehemiah represents in, in that position. He, mu- he must have gained the king's trust must have been diligent and he must have not, you know, he's been working for the king and he's not grumbling. He's not, you know, being rebellious over this foreign foreign king. He's actually working for, you know, the name of God. He wants to represent God. And so when he brings this odd question to the king, the king grants it because he's honestly the most trustworthy person in his court being the cupbearer. And of course, through God's providence, you know, Nehemiah is placed as the cupbearer, put in a position where he could bring this question to the king, mm-hmm. right? And so whether, whether you're a cupbearer or whether you're a flipping burgers at Burger King, you don't know the reason why through God's providence you've been placed in this position. So do it well, is what I'm saying. Do it well. Do it for the name of the king. That's Christ, right? So that when, you know... When you're needed, people will recognize you for your work, and then you can point back to the king that you serve. And so um, another another example, I guess, and more prominent would be Joseph's work while he's, you know, the story of Joseph, right? He's um, His brothers basically betray him, and, you know, he's sold into slavery, right? And he's, um, you know, he ends up at Potter's house and then thrown in, in prison, and then um, he's called to interpret a dream for for the pharaoh right and he interprets it and he he is put in this position really of being the second highest in in egypt right not an accident no not absolutely (laughs) not right through god's providence he's placed there right and we it's a it's a well-known story but he's he is basically put in charge of storing up food for the famine 
right? Mm-hmm. And he is known for his work and his and his diligence and um, how consistent he is, right? Um, and he's put in this most you know this powerful position. And the goal is really the goal is not to be powerful. The goal is not to have fame. The goal is not to bring glory onto yourself. You can see how humble Joseph is through all of that process, right? The goal is to be faithful. The goal is to be consistent, all right? And just see what God does through it. So as Christians, we should be faithful. We should be consistent and trustworthy people. You want people to say that Christians are some of the best employees. You know that they're always on time and they're, you know, there every day and they're there with a good attitude. Um, you want your boss and your coworkers to see that through your work, you are a witness of what Christ has done. And it doesn't always mean, you know, that doesn't always mean gospel presentation. That doesn't always mean going up to them and, and giving them the gospel. If, if that's what you want, if that's what's done, that's amazing. That's great. That's what we want. But I think even more so what is missed is your work ethic, you know, the things that aren't said. Right. Um, it can be a gospel presentation in itself by the work of your hands, by what you're doing, your consistency, your faithfulness, your trustworthiness. Right. Um, it's sometimes better seen simply by the good work that you do. And I'm reminded of this passage in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 3. It says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So your aim is love and faithfulness to God. And you will find favor and good success with God and man. Success with God is love and faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Success with man is that they see it. Yes. So you have any, any thoughts? One thing that I, that just kind of popped into my mind is contractors, right? It's Mm -hmm. like a known thing that contractors scam people. They don't finish work. They charge you before they finish the job and they (laughs) split. Yeah. Or there's just all sorts of things that they do. Think of how successful, hint, hint, an honest Christian contractor would mm-hmm. be a guy who finished the job and did quality work because mm-hmm. there's not a lot out there. Right. It's, it's a bummer. It's kind of like um, how receptive to, let's say that you want to, let's say that you're in a situation where you're a contractor and you go to somebody's home to, you know, repair leaky pipes, or you're going to go repair some drywall or build a deck on their house or whatever. And you get there and you're there a couple days because the work takes some time and you want to talk to this person about the gospel, right? Um, and that's what you want to do. And that's a good thing. But you've shown up late. You, um, <laughs> You used a different material than they really wanted you to use because it was cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't really know it, right? So, I mean, reality, that's being dishonest, right? So that, I mean, that's a sin, but let's say that's not that. Let's say that you're just... Do a hack job. Right, you do a hack job. You you don't really spend as many hours there as you as you should. You, 
um, you don't really put your best effort into it. You're just checking the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, but you still want to give this person a gospel presentation, right? You still want to tell them about the good news, right? But then you have to look at what they're going to (laughs) see, right, as a representation of you. You're a Christian. You give them this gospel presentation. Maybe it goes well. Maybe it doesn't, right? But then they go out there on their deck or they go check their pipes and it's just half done, you know? Yeah. You didn't really put all the effort into it, right? Or it leaks again because you, you know, you cut some corners. It leaks again in a couple months. You know what I mean? Like it's what what we're talking about here is we're talking about success as in quality, right? As you should care about those things. You should care about the consistency of your work, the faithfulness of it, the trustworthiness of your work Mm -hmm. right and that's and that's christian success but again ultimately like i said at the beginning (laughs) there is no greater success than christ likeness yes right but but from that right from that what what does that mean right so christ likeness can also mean (laughs) good quality work right because his name is at stake. And so it's kind of um, a tangent, I know, but I feel like since we're talking about work and careers and doing a good job, it kind of yeah. popped in my mind. Well, even you could even say the same thing. I mean, cause you brought up mediocre motherhood, right? Um, the, the ditch with that and what mediocre motherhood is really aiming at is just the fact that, um, you can, because no one's looking or it's not, you know, it's not seen by outsiders, right? The simple mundane things, you just don't put as much effort into it. Yeah. Right, because no one sees it. No one sees the piles of laundry that you've just neglected for however long. No one sees, you know, the unorganized closet that you've neglected for, you know, weeks or months or whatever it is. I see it and it bothers me. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. Or whatever it is, you know, you, you, you... you know, you've, like you're saying, you've done, you know, fast food and you've done, you know, chicken nuggets for dinner for the last, like, you know, five, six days. And it's like, okay, um, sometimes you can do that. But I would think that you would want to put quality in that. I would think that you would want yeah. to, um, you would want to make a certain quality dinner because, the name of Christ is at stake even in that, right? Even amongst your children, your children see, your children are watching, you know? Do well, you want I, them to grow up and say, yeah, my mom made chicken nuggets yeah. for dinner like every other day, <laughs> right? And I know maybe this seems petty. Maybe this seems like we're splitting hairs, but w- what we want we to... We have chicken nuggets in our freezer. Yeah, we, we have dino have, nuggets. We definitely do. We actually ate chicken nuggets for dinner today. <laughs> <laughs> Today, okay, in my defense, I cooked a meal for a mom who just had a baby. Yeah. And so that meant... That meant chicken nuggets for we us. We had chicken nuggets. And that's okay. We're not saying that you can't have chicken nuggets. You're missing the point. The point is, is that everything can be reclaimed or captured for the glory of God. Even the dinners that you make, the work that you do, right, outside of the home, the career that you have, right, the way that you... Um, you know, have guests over. We just talked about hospitality, the way that you are hospitable to others. Every, everything can be recaptured for the glory of God because it's not, even when we talked about earlier, it's not even money. 
money can be used for the glory of God. Yeah, let's, Absolutely. Let's talk about the wealth part of it because I think the immediate thing people think of with success is wealth. Yeah. So imagine we're billionaires. Well, yeah. It- <laughs> imagine in your mind we're billionaires. Okay. What would be uh, unsuccessful Christian billionaire? Give uh, like an example. Well, I, just like anything, right? Um, so money is a tool and you can either use it the right way or the wrong way. Um, the, the wrong way would be self-glorification, self-gratification, mm-hmm. um, using it for only material gain, right? Using it for things that are going to burn, right? Um, but, but the wealth isn't the evil thing. It's the way that you're using it. Is the new car wrong? No. Is the big home wrong or sinful? No. But you have to ask yourself, if I'm a Christian and I have all of this wealth and I have all of this material stuff, what am I using it for that's going to bring glory to God? What am I using it for that's that's going to make his name great among the nations? Right? How am I going to use that? Right? I mean, somebody who has wealth is susceptible, so susceptible to falling into that ditch. Yeah. Right? Um, But Christians, I think, Christians that are wealthy, are wealthy because of the providence of God, and they have to recognize that. They have to submit themselves to that fact. The only reason that they have wealth is because God's given it to them. And so God wants them to use it in some way that's glorifying to him. So what is it? Are you giving it to the church? Are you giving it to the widow? Are you giving it to the orphan? Are you, you know, what are you paying for somebody to adopt a child? That's a crazy expense right now. Like, how are you going to use it? You got to oh, get, yeah, it's like $50,000 to adopt a child. Yeah, absolutely. Which is just criminal. It, absolutely. It is. Um, and you I know. actually know a family that they are very well off and they actually foster medically needy children. Yeah. And so they Amen. give up their time and their money to mm-hmm. foster children that people would not normally take in, which yeah. I just think is so cool. Yeah. I mean, if you, if <laughs> I mean, it's not, we're not saying that you have to do that. Right. Right. So there's, there's two ditches, right. With, with money. And we've talked about a little bit already, but the ditch is the first ditch is that you're the dragon sitting on the pot of gold and (laughs) nobody's going to come and take your money. Right. You're not going to give it to anybody. You're going to hoard it. Right. Yeah. Greed. Right. And then the other ditch is that, (laughs) that you are basically running away from money. Mm-hmm. Right, that you are the um, vagabond, right? That you're you are um, desiring to be poor and homeless, and you know, for for just the sake of it, because money is evil, and you've fallen into that into that ditch, right? Well, even as like a husband and a provider, you know, say that you want your wife to homeschool all your kids but you don't want to spend like a dime on homeschool curriculum. Yeah. 
that's yeah you know and it's like oh well i don't want to like that's so much money and i don't want to spend that yeah i mean that could be a i don't know that could be either or it could be like you're wealthy and you don't want to share your funds on homeschool curriculum or you think that it's just a ludicrous expense to spend a thousand dollars on curriculum and you're not being facetious that's not me by the way no that's not you (laughs) no you're like hey what do you need no that's not me but i'm the one who's like i don't want to spend anything yeah i mean that's a that's is that's another possible ditch you got to be a good steward of your money but you can't be a you can't be such a bean counter you know that you're in the back counting every single bean that you have so much so that like you're it dominates your thinking well it's idolatry because in one sense you're idolizing the money that you have Mm -hmm. over the good that you can do with it right so you're in a sense you're being you're falling into the dragon again because you're just bean counting it it might not be as much (laughs) i like how it's beans (laughs) hey that's it's a term yeah Yeah. bean counting bean counting um so i think there's a lot of ditches that you can fall into with money right in regards to to success but you know scripture also says that you know god loves a cheerful giver and you want to be giving of the money that you do have you want to be giving of the wealth that you do have right um and you definitely want to be um using it to strengthen your home first off right you a man who doesn't take care of his wife and children is worth an, an unbeliever Right, so you want to make sure that you're providing for your home first, and then, and then you want to be, you want to be giving of that, right? Um, and I just think that uh, there's some major, um, I guess, tripping hazards or falls that Christians can can run into with this term of success, and they can run away from it. Um, but, but I think that Christians, in a large part, will be successful in the workplace will be successful flipping burgers will be successful at home with their with their kids and their children it, in as in as far as success is for a christian right faithfulness consistency trustworthiness right and it's really how, however it's really much not about the external things no at all. however it's just much about comes being from that Christ. yeah whatever comes from that is all God's providence, but you shouldn't run away from it just because you found some success, <laughs> right? Like you shouldn't be afraid of it is what I'm trying to say. Um, well, you've been very successful in your career, but your your motivation truly is, is uh, I have five kids and I live in Washington State, mm-hmm. so I need to make more money. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. and that's not necessarily wrong. Naturally, out of being a good employee and the values that you do have you have you've moved up very quickly in your career yeah i, I think that the, the, oh should i have brought that up no it doesn't matter I, th- I think that this the if you are the working father of you know any any amount of children if if you're getting up and you're going to work day after day right and majority of the time you are you're 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 providing for your family right um but i think that you have to be you have to be careful because 
you it's very easy to get sucked in to to that world to where it's all about accolades and it's all about climbing um, the ladder climbing the ladder right the next promotion and the next big thing the next promotion right and in reality you just have to be like i said you have to be content with where god has placed you god may not want me to climb any ladder anywhere god might want me to be exactly where i am with the people that i'm working with you know and just be consistent and be like i said faithful and trustworthy in that position and i have to be okay you have with to that. be content I with that be content with that right and and that's a good thing and that that is success for a christian if he is um making the name of christ great wherever he's at yes right? And so that's really what we what we wanted to bring to the surface, right? And um, success is not something that's normally talked about, at least in my experience with Christian circles. Um, what's a healthy understanding of that? What what does success look like, you know, for a Christian? Um, and ultimately, I'm just going to keep pointing back to it that um, success for a Christian is nothing more than Christ likeness. Um, and so that's first and foremost. And then what comes out of that is the work of your hands, right? Good, faithful work, right? Christians ought to be getting their hands dirty. They ought to be the best, <laughs> the best workforce really that you, that employee could hope for, right? Yes. It should be that, oh, this person's a Christian. Great. They're going to be an excellent addition to this team. That yeah. should be their first thought. Like that's the reputation that, yes. that you want for Christians, Right. Um, and so that's really what we want to bring to the surface. And, and I hope, I hope it was helpful. You know, I hope the conversation, you know, starts to get you thinking, um, about that, but, um, anything else you, you want to add before it close? One last thing you talked about the fruits and being Christ-like, we will Mm -hmm. know them by their fruits. And if you have the Holy spirit, you should have not perfectly, maybe not all at the same time. You definitely won't have fruits, all at the same time. The fruits of the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, they're fruits of the spirit, the spirit faith, only. Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Mm-hmm. Oh man, mm-hmm. peace. <laughs> I can't name them all off the top of my head, but that's what comes to mind. Is so if you are a Christian you have the fruits of the spirit, the Holy spirits in you, you will display those things Mm -hmm. and they will show up wherever you are, whether it's flipping burgers, if it's at home, if it's serving in ministry and that will make you successful. Right. In the way that we're saying, right. And, and yeah, so the fruit, right. Is, is really evident, or it's the evidence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? So when we talk about, you know, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, you know, self-control, um, those are all fruits of the Spirit, right? If you don't have the Spirit, then you won't have the fruit, mm-hmm. right? And so when you take a Christian and you put him in the middle of, you know, Home Depot, or you put him in the middle of Burger King, or you put him in the middle of a construction company, the truth is still the same. Outsiders will know them by their fruit. They'll see more so than anything else the fruit that's evident, that's there. You know, you want them to ask questions like, why is this person 
such a good employee? Or why, why are they always in a good mood? Why are they always in such a good mood? Why are they always interested in my life? Why do they ask so many questions? Why are they always on time? Why are they, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you want that impression to be on people, not because you are boasting or you are looking for accolades, but because Christ is king. That's why. And then when they ask, you know, the reason they ask why you're like this, they they bring the question to you and they say, hey, um, I noticed that, you know, you generally are in a better mood than everybody else, or you're, you are always on time, or you're, you're, you generally just care about the people around you, whatever it is, they bring a mm-hmm. question to you. That's your opportunity to point them to the reason why you live and breathe and move, right? You get to point them to Christ. You get to point them to the gospel. Um, you get to give them the good news. And it's it's better because they've already seen the fruits, right? And so um, you just get to be a witness in that way. Um, so I, I hope this this episode was helpful. I I hope that uh, you were able to glean something from it. That um, you can be that um, successful in whatever it is that you're doing. That you can grow in your in your walk with Christ. That you can grow in your faithfulness and your um, in your consistency, right? And that you can bring all things under the glory of Christ. Stay content. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's another episode. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, until next time. Address and keep. <laughs>